Do you know this guy, Eugenio Barba? He's amazing. He had this project called Odin Teatre. Eugenio Barba. He's... And this is this collaborative project based in... What is this based in Denmark now? The, and he had this barter thing with like arts from different parts of the world, non-Western. So he did this documentation of this piece that for me is one of the best of Latin American art, man. His performance. I am Efraín Rosas. I am a Peruvian musician and uh, I also work with, I develop software, I have work with robotics, uh, primitive artificial intelligence, and I also play in a salsa band. band I am, I uh, direct and I play the keyboards and guitar is La Mecánica Popular. And uh, yeah, and for sure also another part of it is experimentation with electronic sounds, as you say, no? that, uh, I think in the second album it's being less, in the first album it was more like electronic but yeah. For me, the electric era of miles is so important because I think it's one of the most complete musics that has been created in the 20th century. I, I really love this term of Mignolo, the colonial cosmopolitanism. I think he was a person who was really open to a lot of musics. 
I can hear their atonalism, but it's also danceable. I also hear, you know, and that that for me that that cross of an experimental experimental uh, music that it can be danced in a social context, you know, as opposed to like a dancer that you watch, like collect how can we dance experiment to experimental music, not not with the coldness of a gallery, but actually getting together, you know. I think that that bridge is still, that is a, like a door that he opened in that era and I think has to be yet to be explored a lot. Because back then it was not so, you know, it was not so so well received. And for me it's, um, I think that the, the progression of jazz music in the United States, like it started, talking about Miles, you no, know, he said, I love Louis Armstrong, but I can't, I wouldn't be here if he was not here, there but I cannot repeat what he did. He was doing music for white people. We are doing now music for our own. I think that trajectory in salsa music in Latin America, like it's, it's that we, we can compare in a way the trajectory, there is still this kind of commercial drive and these stereotypes being repeated. And I feel that the process of emancipating from that like gaze of the world music, maybe Europe or the US, or even within our countries, all the racism that there is, or, or this division between high art and danceable art, that still is kind of a, a thing that has to be explored. And I think it has to do also with the very pervasive, like mind-body divisions of Western culture and how all these musics that where where a knowledge can be produced from the body, from a pelvic movement, <laughs> dance collectively, is has been. It's not a coincidence that that has been so discriminated and so uh, isolated, and that there are very few spaces where people who are doing that kind of music can dialogue with people who are doing more quote-unquote experimental music. To put it in simple ways, it has been really difficult for me to find salsa musicians or people who can really make people dance with percussion that are into atonal stuff and atonal, people who are into atonal stuff that can really play a groove. So that was the project, kind of. You know, okay, let's do this. What, what will happen? No? And it has been a journey. And what I can say is that one of the conclusions for me was that if you get uh, these grooves are so cool, and this is like a science. Like this, this, these grooves that come from different trajectories. You know, a lot of it's West Africa, Cuba, even the Andes too. Like these are like formulas, rhythmic formulas. That if you do them, like you put the right elements, it's like a like uh, like a algebraic formula or a, you know a chemistry formula. If you do it right, people are gonna dance. Like it's inevitable, you're gonna dance. So once you have that, you can really do anything over that. You're very free. And what, I, what we're doing there is a lot of atonal stuff, for example, when you just like the keyboard, I'm just banging it, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm just doing anything, but, but, but the rule, the rule is that we have always to be, even in the parts that are chaotic, we have the, the, the clave and the, and the rhythm and the idea of a danceable rhythm is always there. You know, that's the, that's the main objective, you know?
And of course, the utopia, no? the idea is that people would go into a trance and go crazy and with this free improvisation, no? but also structure. No? It comes a lot from kind of the Latin American concepts of development of a, of a composition, like the energy, you know? start, start from little energy and grow and make people just get into, into dancing. No? Exactly, yeah, but coming from the Latin American tradition, which is different, I think the role or the, the function of the, of the musician is different because one thing, for example, that I have been really reluctant and also it's being an economical bet also is that even the drum set, like the drum set is, is it was in a way an econo for saving money. In the drum set you're playing what three people play in the, in the marching band, no? the bass and the... In Latin American music, people are tending to go to the drums or even the computer. No, with the computer you save like the job of five people. But when you have five people interlocking these rhythms, it's it's another thing that I don't want to lose. I'm super interested in that. No, like I don't want to, and it's difficult. No, because you have to coordinate rehearsals, less money for everyone. But but I'm being stubborn, man. I'm not gonna. Yeah, and and yeah, and it's a different function. It's different. A DJ from a live band making people dance. It's another experience. I yeah. think the connection is different and I'm interested in that's the idea. Also, um, U.S. music, uh, the whole uh, uh, African diaspora music, hip hop, jazz. There has been a very interesting history here. No? That I think that in Latin America is starting to happen. To and I, for me, it's a kind of a reference what is happening with all this music, with hip hop, 
and with jazz to what happened with jazz in the 70s is very inspiring, but at the same time, I think a lot of what happens around the world is that people tend to just like imitate that or kind of replicate that. And it's important that each, each place kind of does it. It's, it's a great example and I really respect it, but at the same time, it's important that we all do it in our own way. And it's, it takes time, I'm conscious of that. I'm conscious that it's gonna take time. Before I thought I could force it, but now I'm realizing that I just have to do my thing and because it's a dialogue, no? You can do it on your own and things have to take their time. And things appear when they have to appear. You know, like hip hop wouldn't exist with my, without Miles Davis, no? Just like Miles Davis wouldn't exist without Louis Armstrong. You know, like it's, it's, an, it's a development, no? So, yeah, and it's just keep, keep, on, keep on doing it, you know, and, and exploring, yeah. Trap is atonal, yeah. it's atonal music, you know, it's just like uh, playing, te it's textures and rhythm. Exciting. I think hip hop, for example, I don't know, like, do you know Jaylene? I love Jaylene. I love uh, DJ Rashad. He passed, he passed away, you know. I love the, the, the whole crew, the Take Life crew. When I, when I was a kid in Peru, I remember the first record I bought was Appetite for Destruction when I was like 10 years old. And I really liked it because of the cover, because there was these badass skulls. And I'm saying this because salsa, when they were, I heard it, like it was there. But in my mind, like, like these guys were so badass and salsa, 
doing the parallel again with Louis Armstrong. It was like these really nice guys, like with the choreographies and they all having suits and super clean, you know, and having this commercial music. And I, and I wanted, I wanted as a as a young kid something rebellious that I didn't find there. But I think that 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 is that is another way of saying what the mechanical popularity is, you know, like kind of doing that with the attitude of yeah. kind of doing something rebellious, but. And, and the first time I felt that was with a record of Eddie Palmieri that he recorded at the Sing Sing uh, Jailhouse mm -hmm. in New York. Yeah, and just up the river. Yeah, he did this album there. He recorded an album there. And not only was the political statement of doing that, but the sound of that album is so strong. It's so aggressive. It's so aggressive, you know? And that was the first time I thought, oh, wow, here is something, you know? That, uh, and, because the salsa I had heard was not the 70s salsa, it was more like 80s or 90s, no, when mm -hmm. I was growing up. Yeah, and it was... Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there was, a, there was something in the 70s when it all started here, there was something very... Uh, uh, had a lot of... I don't know how to say it in English, but street, no? it had a lot of street. Like yeah, the, yeah, these yeah. guys were kind of... Relationship with the, the delinquent things, you know, like with the mob, you know, and they, they had... They were, you know, some of them were you know, parallel like uh, dealing with uh, drug dealing and, and because they needed money. It was people who were working class and they wanted to be part of the system that they didn't have uh, any uh, ways to enter. So they needed, you know, and Fania, the Fania label was all about that, you know, all these guys.
yeah, I discovered him and also uh, um, Rey Barreto, Acid. Acid is this, the, the name, also the name of the song already symbolic. And Acid is just this bump, like the, this bass guitar playing all the song, the same riff, which was very much like in, common to rock and roll, you know, to rock. And all this, this instrumental thing and this kind of psychedelic song. Yeah, definitely the New York sound uh, made me think, oh wow, there is something interesting here that could happen. And and we did play, we played summer stage, man. We played summer stage with uh, with Fania, with the Fania, the fiftieth oh, really? anniversary, the fiftieth anniversary, fiftieth anniversary of Fania. Oh, of, yeah. We played with Roberto Roena, yeah, the summer stage. Yeah, that was like a dream come true. Amazing. Yeah. Central Park or Central Park, yeah. Wow. And no, yeah, for me New York was that. The, New York, the New York sound was the gritty thing with all the groove, you know, and the clave. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a uh, door to what we are doing now.
watched those uh, old videos, you know, when they're playing touring in Africa with like Carlos Santana's brother. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, do, you, do you know the story of that concert? It was it was the it was organized by Don King that concert. Oh yeah, yeah. You know that, though. In, in uh, like the jungle. Yeah, the Rumble in the Jungle because <laughs> because Muhammad Ali couldn't fight him in the U.S. because he refused to go to Vietnam. They took yeah, away yeah. his license. So. Oh, is that why they did that? Yeah, man. Yeah. And it was this fight with George Foreman. Oh. So yeah. so it was the comeback of Muhammad Ali. Like Muhammad Ali couldn't fight, so he said, "Fuck it, we don't have to fight in the U.S. We will do it in fucking Africa, man." And we're not only doing that; we're bringing the best. Uh, African decent people in the U.S. BB King, James Brown, all the guys from Fania, you know, and of course this the Muhammad Ali fight is Muhammad Ali was like I don't know like 15 years older than Foreman, and he just danced around him around him from 12 rounds, and in the last round he just beat the shit out of him. It's like the fight is like a lesson for life. No, that was that was epic, man. That was epic that that, that episode, and yeah, that show also that 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 show also was like a like a like a landmark for me musically. When I saw that that show with Jorge Santana, Santana Carlos Santana's brother, and all, all the guys there are all the legends of Fania, the Fania All Stars. And there was like these guys were crazy, you know. They were really they, they, there is even though there is still this kind of commercial theme, the there was something very punk about yeah, it. Like yeah, they are, yeah. they are really bad. You can tell that these they guys got are the checkered shirt yes. and the choreography, but it's hard. Yes, you can tell these people are badass. You know, yeah. they, you can tell these people were like living something re real. You know, and that that for me was the first time I I saw something. Oh wow, there is something here that I could go to. Know. And for sure, that was an influence for the Mechanic popular. Yeah.
For me, the, the, a way of, I conceptualized these two projects was La Mecánica Popular is going to be the secular and my solo thing is going to be more like the ritualistic thing. Just like in, in the Cuban music and all this, or Latin American music, there is kind of santeria and religious music and the salsa that draws from that, but it's more like secular for party. For me, was that album was really, I, my idea was, okay, I'm going to do an album that somebody can meditate to but it still uses rhythm no? as the main thing, like polyrhythm. I'm using machines to generate polyrhythms that are like are informed by these ideas of you know, Latin American music. Uh, and so, and I coded the software and maybe some, some robotics to, to play the album. But yeah, that was it. And, and the way it was performed up to now, it was that I, as I was telling you, I did these shows here in New York, it has been performed as a show here in my house that it was a, like for one person only each time. It was like you had to make an appointment and you had to come and the robot played and then the music played. I, and it was total dark, like people were in the dark. And it was kind of a, for me it was kind of a meditation session. Kind of like, like, and I wanted to, it to be not a show, but more like a ritual. No? But now I wanted to perform it live. And, but I still want to keep that, that, it's something interesting to me, to, to make that uh, performance as a, keep the ritualistic thing, but also I am very interested now in connecting, connecting as, as a person in, a, in the performance uh, space. The simplest, not too complicated, not too conceptual, because in a way I think all these things we were talking about before. I think these times are very, we're very tense times, no? And very, we are living very tense times. And I think like language is, I think people are, we are saying so many things and we are trying to code something, but it's, I feel like right now capitalism is so powerful that anything we say, it kind of brings it, <laughs> it eats it and spits it back as a hashtag or whatever, no? So I think we have to go back to, something more primal, no? to just feel the music, man. You trust the feelings and, of course, it's needed, no? All this, this criticism and all that, but, but I think sometimes we're going in circles. 
especially in our own circles. Like I think we, it's important to keep criticizing to the outside, but there must be also an energy that is creative, you know. And, and I think it's too much talking, too much talking, 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 and. much talking I think represses the power of, of the more visceral artistic experience no? and it's all about words you know, words words I, I guess from the literate, literature linguistic critique you no know, schools cultural critique but I think there is a need to to engage in the most basic like okay I'm gonna do something that makes me feel something different another feel just trust the feeling man. just trust uh, trust that you can play something that moves someone and that can be something magical, no? that can even go beyond words that make me feel in a different way. I know it's very, very romantic, no? but, but that is what I feel right now. That, that Because the album, in a way, was this ritual thing, was conceptual. No, no I, wanna, I just want to trust the music. I was, I'm not going to say anything. I also wrote a big text in the web and I explained, you know, and blah, 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 this album is about using technology as a way to uh, decolonize and uh, gain agency in the world of mysticism because cognitive capitalism is so powerful right now. That was the whole concept, no? like to regain mysticism and uh, cognitive processes as an arena of power dynamics. And I think it's, it's totally true that, that cognitive capitalism is the main arena right now. We, we, are, we are dreaming capitalists now. Even when we go to sleep, because we are all the day in, in the iPhone, we dream capitalist. <laughs> it's like that. Our processes are capitalist. We are, but I think we have to stop talking. Some, it's good to talk about it, but there has to be also some force that stops talking about it and actually really bets on really feeling and even going beyond that, you know, imagining something totally different. So that, I guess with the performance is what I'm, I want to go to, yeah. And, and trust. It's a leap of faith too. It's very romantic, I guess. But but I, I just the act of having faith in it is makes sense for me. Like I, I want to have I want to believe that I can have faith in, in the uh, counterculture power. Because I think I feel words right now are so I think in a way capitalism has has won won a lot of too it has it's too powerful right now. And you can't talk, even talk right now. It's all a circle, you know?
The album is called I Enjoy the World, but it's a part of a series called Myth and Prosthesis. So I actually created this robot that improvises. It started the first the first iteration of Myth and Prosthesis was called Do Robots Have an Ethnicity? So I made this robot that improvises with the Latin American logic of rhythm. That was the first, it was kind of a piece and it was in a gallery doing its own thing. And then the next step was, uh, the, the, the second was I Enjoy the World, which the robot helped me make music. And the third one was uh, uh, Myth and Prosthesis 3, Robot Teaches to Pray. That was the robot, it was kind of a, the performance that you saw, this movement of the pelvis, I actually uh, I created this personal ritual where I danced with the robot. Kind of the idea of using robotics and technology to, first of all, to the possibility of, or the idea that it is possible to, to connect with technology in another way other than these iPhones or iPods. It's so powerful and undeniably beautiful and effective, what capitalism technology is. No? I'm thinking a lot about Renaissance, like. It's undeniably beautiful. They are Renaissance art, but it's Catholic, it's colonial, but I mean, the Sixteen Chapel, who can deny it's beautiful. It was a peak, and at that time, all art, or maybe not all, but most of art was Catholic, no? And it's, I think we're in a kind of a space like that right now. I think it's very difficult to make an art that is outside of capitalism. So, but and it's also undeniably really cool what stuff is going on. But this, this project was, this project, what the idea was to, okay, I'm gonna make a technology that is different, it's personal, it's gonna help me, not only the, the mystical thing, but it also started, the dance thing started with, okay, I, I started doing this experiment in my home, I'm gonna dance like the worst uh, homophobic nightmare of my father. I was like looking in the mirror to myself or as an animal, as a woman and everything in between. And, and then I started to use the robot to use, do these rhythms for me to get into this deconstructive trance of destroying my body and generating another body. So, yeah, using technology, no, it's a metaphor, no? What, what would be if we use technology to expand our mind, expand our bodies, and... Uh, like a drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a drug, no? Technology, the way we use it, no? This, this cognitive pro the cognitive processes it leads us to. So, um, yeah, and it's also about thinking of Western technologies as a mythology, Western rationality, Western science as a mythology, and also technologies of rhythm, what I was talking about, these technologies of rhythm from Santeria, from Latin American rhythms, come from religions that use, the, use rhythm and the body as a way to, to explore different states of mind. No? But it, it, it was, it was more an attempt to do something different, you know, to do something different with technology and uh, to relate different to technology and to relate with the audience different within technology because I think I feel that that the art and technology uh, is very pervasive. This coldness of the gallery, like every time I look to art, technology, art, or art and AI, there is power of the gallery, no? there is a coldness. Where is the pelvis? Where is the twerking? You know? like, where is it? Where is the space of that in, the, in art and technology in the contemporary world? I think it's so pervasive that it's, we still have this 
is this thing with the body and this thing with moving our ass, you know, and moving our pelvis that is funny or it's something that this it, it being funny it's it's a symptom that we don't know and it's also hypersexualization to know it's either funny or hypersexual no there's all this middle part is so powerful it has helped me so much to be honest it has been the best part of it has been for me that it really helped me as a person like to do these shows to actually liberate my body you know it some, sounds like a cliche no cliche but it was very personal yeah i reco i recommend i recommend everyone to to work with um <laughs> in their in, in with a robot <laughs> Between the, the white cube of the art gallery and like the strip club. You know? Yeah, ex exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's not easy. Church it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> in the church, yes. I would love to do it in a place like that. But the idea was to generate a personal record, yeah. Thank you. 
I think I was talking about, about this with a friend that our generation, I mean, of course, there is, it's a very violent time you know, in other ways, but actually like material violence of like having a relative killed or you may be going to war, like, I think our generation is one of the few that has not been touched by that. Even in Peru, like, my parents had some friend who died in some violent conflict, military, you know? And of course, we're talking about middle class and privilege. We are uh, privileged, you know, of course. Yeah. Poor people are always, as we speak, are dying in some battle, you know? But it was actually touched in Italy, I'm sure, and this happened, you know, the middle classes and maybe upper classes were touched by this like, material violence, you know, that people actually took arms, you know? And yeah, I think were... we're kind of detached from that, too, you know? It's an experience we don't have. I, I don't know, I don't know, it's something that I think about, you know, how that, that, that affects us, you know? If it's something good, or something, I mean, I'm sure it's good, but also our sense of death and reality, you know, yeah, yeah. this virtual world that we're, it's a kind of a virtual world we're living in a way, you know, I think this, this, I don't know, man, like I did a show about tango in Argentina and I was like, man, this guy sounds so old and they are like 24, you know, it's like, I don't think, man, because these people were dying young, you know, like for real, no? Like, it was like, it's like, okay, it's now or never, man, it's like, if I don't do it now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die at Peter City, you know, like, I think that urgency maybe. Maybe, I don't know, but I was thinking, what well, if, you know, like in the past, like these people who sounded really old were kind of young, man, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. I enjoy the world. I enjoy the world. If I enjoy with hurt, the world will not hurt me. If I enjoy, enjoy the, the world. world will not hurt me. If I enjoy the, the world, world will hurt me. it will not hurt. I am enjoying the world. I enjoy, enjoy the, world. the world hurt. The world will hurt it hurts. I will enjoy I enjoy with hurt. If I enjoy the world, don't enjoy it will, will not hurt. I enjoy with joy. If I enjoy, if I enjoy, if I enjoy the world, the world will hurt. I enjoy the world. The world will hurt me. Enjoy the world. I am enjoying the world. Don't enjoy. It will hurt. I enjoy the world. If it hurts, I enjoy the world. 